Hi, Tom Lyons, CEO of Taruga Minerals Limited. We're a Greenfields exploration company advancing new discoveries for rare earth elements in a new province in South Australia. We've also got some really large and exciting copper targets we're looking at uh, advancing at the moment in South Australia, nearby some major world-class deposits. We've got a really strong cash position of 4.1 million. Our exploration model is very low cost. Most of our mineralizations at the surface and we're working through some advanced metallurgical scoping studies on our rare earths at the moment. Tom, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Matt. So you, you, all the buzzwords there, right? R rare earths, copper, Paul Cronin, everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, so uh, obviously we, we know uh, Paul, Paul from uh, elsewhere, uh, done rather well there, and uh, he's heavily involved with this thing. Um, Want to just try to understand what it is that you've set out to do, and we'll talk about that in a second. But first of all, who are you? What have you done? What's that's relevant to what you're trying to do here? Yeah, sure. So I'm a geologist by trade. I worked in mining and exploration for about ten years in in South Australia, and I founded the private company Strike Line Resources, which uh, held the assets that we now are uh, the core projects for under Taruga Minerals Limited. Right. Uh, Taruga purchased uh, my private company and, and made me the CEO uh, in 2020 and we've been developing that ground ever since. Okay, and um, right, let's try and understand the business plan here because it, like, okay, we've got rare earths, we've got copper. So the, the kind of key, what are we focused on? Yeah, so we started out purely as a copper focus. Okay. Because our, our flagship project, Flinders project, was obviously a copper play. It's right near Olympic Dam, Carapatina. It's got the okay. right kind of mineralization there, that, you know, IOCG style mineralization. Right. Copper is quite topical. Price is quite good. Everyone wants it. We're running out of it, apparently. There's a big EV revolution, infrastructure, uh, money being spent all around the world. So why do you say you started out there? Are you parking it up or something? No, we're not parking it up. It's It's been on hold. That project's been on hold for a while. Why? Uh, well, we're waiting on some government approvals to okay. regain access to our what was our flagship project, the Flinders project. Yeah. And uh, we started our operations there. That was the first project that came into the Taruga deal. Uh, we subsequently added in a series of other projects that were in the Strikeline portfolio and, and just folded everything in Strikeline into Taruga. And uh, yes, we started as copper focus, but we have discovered some significant rare earths at one of our projects. And you know we're the first company uh, in South Australia to have discovered rare earths in this province. So we're really excited about it. Okay. And is that waiting for Government approvals? No. That's, no. So that's, so that's, that's cracking on, right? That's all approved. That's all cracking on. Yeah, there's only okay. there's only one. So we've got 4,000 square kilometers of tenement. So really large land holding. Mm. There's four major projects in there, two of which are our probably our top two projects. Flinders project is our top copper project. Mount Craig project is our top rare earth project. So let's focus on copper because I want to be able to park that up. Okay, because um, okay, you're waiting for what, what sort of permits? So it's ministerial approvals under the Aboriginal Heritage Act. Right. So you can't do anything there at the moment? We can do some work. We can do geophysics. We can fly airborne surveys and stuff right. like that. But we're just holding off to wait for those approvals because we want to make sure we've got that full confidence to increase our investment spend right. there. We're really excited to get back there. Um, you know, we're, we're working with the government, collaborating with the government to get those approvals and we're, we remain very hopeful that... And how long has that process been so far and when do you expect it's it? It's been a long, long process and it's been difficult for our shareholders. You know, a lot of our shareholders came in initially for the Flinders project. That was what drew people into this sure. new story. And a lot of those people have held on and uh, through throughout the course and we, we have had to change direction and go to new projects. And we've had a lot of success at our new projects, um, but there are a lot of people who are really waiting on those uh, approvals to come through and excited about them. Right. And any reason they two, won't? Two, about two years. In two years, any reason yeah. they won't? Or have you any well, sense of timeline? Because that seems a long time. So it is a long time. A few things have happened in the in the landscape since we first came into that project and we first put our application. It's meant to be six to nine months uh, for a decision to be made. 
I'm not aware of any uh, applications historically in South Australia that hadn't been approved, uh, but, I, but I don't know for sure. It's, I, don't, I haven't seen one. Uh, the reason it went longer is a few things. Um, the, consul, the consultation from the governing body who manages these was perhaps not handled perfectly. Mm. And, uh, and uh, it, it's taken, had to get extended by three months a few times. Mm. And then when a decision was meant to be passed, the, in, the independent committee had made, so it goes, basically the application goes through an independent committee. Yeah. They had made their um, final decision and their recommendations. They'd submitted those. And yeah. the decision was meant to be made in March of 2022. Right. Now that coincided with the chain, with the election, the state right. government election. Yeah. Yeah. And the premier at the time was this, the Aboriginal affairs minister. And so, although there was no um, blackout period or no, cool, no, no cold period on making decisions, they decided not to make the decision until the election was over. Yeah. And Liberal lost, new government came in, and the clock kind of started ticking again. But also what happened was there was a, uh, another application in the state which uh, had been approved, and it was at the Supreme Court, and uh, it was being challenged by a local... Uh, Aboriginal corporation, mm -hmm. and they, uh, the Supreme Court judgment, uh, actually the corporation won against the government, and they had to revoke that uh, approval. Now that created a situation where Aboriginal Affairs and the, and the other regulatory bodies which govern the decision making needed to revisit how they issue these uh, approvals to make sure that they're robust and that these types of challenges on, mm -hmm. on a decision can't happen in the future. And so that review process we know now is finished. So okay. We, so what we're saying is, it's going through a process. Are you getting zero value for that copper asset at the moment? Yes. Okay. So let's try and understand what, what you've got there. What, what do you know about that copper asset? Just in, so because what I'm trying to understand is, at some point, it may have some value. I want to understand what that value could be from where you are today. So what, what do you know about the copper asset? Well, the value of, the value of that project is huge. Right. It's massive. What, what, there's what there's a know? lot of energy behind it. A lot of Near Olympic Dam is, is a good start, but what, what has happened in the past? What existing data is there? What, do you, what have you created? So no one's ever held. So we, I pegged the ground as free ground. Mm. Um, you know, we saw us, I, I applied a system mentality when I looked at those historical copper mines over about 15 Ks of strike. And everyone who explored there in the past had considered all these copper mines to be independent of one another and not connected. Right. There's an old school mentality of, of looking at their surface mineralization. Yeah, yeah. But when I looked at the geochem and looked at the historical mining records, and the petrology, I could tell that all these deposits had the same petrology, same mineralogy, mm -hmm. and a similar geochemistry. Now, it's really unlikely to get that everything exactly the same if there wasn't some common source or they yeah. weren't, weren't connected at, beneath the surface. Okay. So I pegged that ground to look, apply a systems mentality to see whether we could gather evidence to indicate that these things were connected, right. that there was evidence for large-scale deposits beneath the surface, which these things were leading to. And I always use the analogy of like a rosebud blooming we're looking at the petals at the surface, but what we're really tracing down is, you know, where they connect to this, yeah. to this bud. Right. So have you spent any money? I know you're not spending any money now and you've explained very detailed way why you shouldn't do that until you've got more certainty. But have you spent any money on it before that? Before this? Yeah, we, we have spent a fair bit of money. You know, we spent probably over a million dollars on the project and we only like we, we had more money to spend there. Yeah. Uh, and. I think that, so just, just going back on the evidence there, there's high-grade copper at the surface. Yeah. So really high-grade copper, you know, rock chips. Like what? Like 50% like copper, you know, wow. like really, really high-grade stuff. crazy. They were mining it in the 1800s, like some of these little deposits at 20% copper run of mine grade. You know, small tonnage, but really high-grade stuff. And they're in yeah. these hematite breccias, so it's like okay. iron breccias, which, yeah. which is quite uh, rare and indicates that it's similar to what we see at Carapatina. 
and it right. would be damned. So one wants to see one breccia, you used to see multiple breccias. That's right. Which is what your your hypothesis about. Correct. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so okay, that's a, that's a kind of park it, wait and see. But it has if if it all goes well, it has some value, um, and you'll presumably raise capital to kind of try and do something with that at some point. So we're over here, here, Reras. That's not, not a bad space to be playing in. Um, but the question people ask all the time is, how do you advance something like that for it? Because obviously people talk about the, the, the China Reras component and they talk about ex-China. Ex-China is a little bit hard because there's not too many um, people who can actually take it through the full value chain there. So what's your plan with that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the exciting thing about the deposit that we've discovered at, mm. at Morgan's Creek, which is a prospect at the Mount Craig project. Mount Craig project's about 1,500 square kilometers on its own, so it's mm. massive. No one's ever discovered rare earths in this province before, ever. And uh, what, are talk, what, are, what are we talking about? So this is, so it's magnet rare earth and okay. heavy rare earth rich okay. deposit. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we're looking at, you know, I, and I haven't seen any other projects that have these kind of numbers, but about 34% average magnet rare earth. And so that I, makes I, the so money. I forgot, I kind of got excited there. Maybe not everyone in the audience knows it. So difference between lights and heavies and the fact why, why heavies are slightly better economically. Well, I mean, People think that lights aren't worth money and that the heavies are worth mm. are worth all the money. And it's in part true, in part not true. So you look at China, going back on your previous question, China has been able to increase, like they're the major supplier of heavy rare earths, as everybody knows. But if you look at their production, they've increased their tonnage production of rare earth significantly over the last six years. Mm -hmm. And their light rare earth production has gone up massively in the last uh, six years. But the heavy rare earth production has mm. not been increased in the last six years at all. What that shows us is that not only have uh, China probably high graded their heavy rare earth sources, but the grade of the heavy rare earths is dropping mm. and the deposits are depleting. And therefore, there's a gap being created in the market for heavy rare earths in particular. Mm. And of the heavy rare earths, the ones that are of most commercial significance are the two magnet heavy rare earths, dysprosium and terbium. So the magnet rare earths are made up of two lights and two heavies, neodymium, praseodymium are the lights, dysprosium and terbium are the heavies. Mm. Uh, and we're looking at, you know, Big increase in value as you head from near uh, praseodymium up to dysprosium, you know, which is over a million dollars a ton right. versus one hundred and fifty thousand dollars US a ton. And what we've got is a very high proportion of magnet rare earths, so the light and the heavy, mm. but also out of all the clay-hosted rare earth projects that we've seen, we have, if not the highest, one of the highest heavy magnet rare earth contents in the deposit. Right. Okay. We're we're doing. Okay. I would have said two years ago. Rare earths, no one cared, right? Retail didn't understand it. It was a very erratic market in terms of pricing, et cetera. But critical mineral lists seem to come high on the priority over the course of the last two years. Um, it's a much better understood space. Um, so maybe there's a little bit more interest in this. So how do you advance a project like that in, in Australia, which is not really doesn't seem to, well, I don't know if the market here in Australia does know too much about rare earths. There's not too much op optionality for investors. So what kind of uh, what, what kind of share risk have you got at the moment? Like mainly retail, is it? It's mainly retail. We do have some institutional investment. Right. You know, we just raised uh, three and a half million uh, in September last yeah. year. And, is that easy? A significant, it, it, well, I mean, it's never easier. Well, 22 sucked, right? That is, that's 22 clear, sucked. Right? But, you, but you raised it. We raised it, yeah. And we Just, brought in some fantastic institutional investors that came in and, and increased that, that proportion of institutional investors in, in a higher percentage than we've ever had on our register before. Right. So we're really excited by that. Um, we've got, you know, Top 20 has a very whole, large holding. You know, I'm a major shareholder. Our directors all participated in the capital raise. Paul mm. Cronin, Eric DeMori, Dave Chapman. So, you know, if you don't know Eric and Paul, Eric, Eric Demori and Paul Cronin were the founders of Adriatic Metals. You know, they've got the Balkan um, polymetallic deposits. It's, it's massive, it's going, to produ going into production. 
um, and they've created a huge amount of value with that. Dave Chapman's on our board. He's the founder of Dreadnought Resources, mm -hmm. which have a huge railroad story in West Australia. And so, you know, we really have a board who are, you know, yeah. know how to take projects from zero to 100 into commercial production from greenfields. So that's, that's, that's really exciting. Um, but even though you've got to trip over the kind of issues that you are on the, <laughs> yeah. the copper, so, right? Well, so, but, but, but what's, like, their so, advice to you? what's their advice to you here on saying, right, let's get this rare earth thing going because yeah. you've been sitting around. The share price has been like battered, right? Everyone's been battered. It has, but, you yeah. know, you, you, that's, that's where you're at. You've got, you've got some cash to kind of advance the, the, the project. What are you trying to do? Are you, Raros is a tricky one, right? So you may say that we're, we're eventually will China will kind of come into the mix here. Or you've got a lot of brave souls in the Raros space saying, do you know what, we're going to do this ex-China. It'll be fine. No problem. Right? We've got this sorted. I don't care which side of the fence you sit because money is money. Um, but you're at the expiration stage. You've got to prove up a whole bunch of th stuff, right? You've got to you've got to do the grade. You've got to do this the scale of this thing. You've got to say we we will we know where where we're going. W what's your plan? Yeah. So it's I mean key key thing to any rare earth element deposits metallurgy, right? And that's what we're focusing on in the moment. Okay. In terms of getting projects across the line and approvals in in Australia and, and you know you're saying it could be difficult. Mm -hmm. um, you know, reason I mentioned our board is because we know how to get approvals. You know, we've got a, we've got a, a board and management who know how to get approvals where required. We've got a huge amount of state government funding. So mm -hmm. we've received almost a million dollars from the state government for, okay. critic, for rare earth element exploration and for copper exploration. So we are, we're heavily supported by the state government already. We've got infrastructure on the project. We've got rail line running through. We've got high grid power, public roads, uh, regional workforces, ports, ports nearby. So we're not yeah. like a remote project as just, well. Just, just that kind of state funding, um, is it conditional? I mean, what, what do they want in return? Because it's not like a huge employment prospects anytime soon, and eventually your funding requirements will will demand that you listen to whoever can bring the money in. So, what does the state oblige you to do? Or conditional one million bucks? Here you go. Yeah, well, we spend two dollars, they give us a dollar back. But a lot of okay. this is a very competitive grant, and so this accelerated discovery initiative grant, we've received three of them. In twenty twenty one, we were the single largest recipient out of all companies. We beat Fortescue and every other company in South Australia. We got the largest grant. Um, and it includes funding for Aboriginal grants. employment. What the hell? Yeah, they're getting Seriously. grants. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> they got cash. <laughs> they got cash, but they're doing it. Okay. Um, so really, what, what they they validate our project goes to the geological survey. They say, can these guys are they likely to make a major discovery for mm -hmm. rare earths or copper? Yes. So we want to we will issue the grant because they've got a good chance at opening up exploration expenditure in a new province. Right. So really, we're working in a province where there has been a low level of uh, exploration expenditure, but the potential for mineral deposits is very high. And so what they want to see is increased mineral expenditure. And so okay. if we were to make discoveries, which we are in, in this area, hence why we keep getting more and more funding, um, that means that other companies, other investors are going to come in and start pouring money into this okay. ground, which has been sitting there stagnant okay. for a long time. It's advertising. Yeah, so that, that's kind of where it's at. And we continue okay. to get support. And that support's been uh, even extended now with, with our geological survey of South Australia, just inviting us uh, to accompany them in, at PDAC in Canada okay. and present alongside them as, as oh, I really? think, the only company from South Australia who, who are joining them. So it's an oh, additional good. validation there. You know, yeah, they're really yeah, showcasing yeah. what the area has to show. Um, were, were you the first ones they asked? No, I will. I, I think so. <laughs> you know what it's like. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you know, it's a dinner party and you're, you're, you know, you're invited, but you realize four other people said no. Well, you, know, you, have to, you have to ask uh, <laughs> ask the directors of archaeological survey. Last well, that's, 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 that's a big deal, right? Yeah. PDAC is one of the biggest attended sort of mining conferences in the world, 25,000 
grey-haired white folk turning up and talking mining. <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrific if you're looking in from outside, but it, the, the, the conversations that happen internally are great. The exposure to you is fantastic. And if it's anything like Cape Town, a lot of investors there um, as well. So, okay, you're going to stand up and do a little, little talk there. It's good news. How, are you going to plan this like a military exercise and try and find other new sources of funds to, to kind of get interested in rare earths in, in Australia? Well, I mean, we're, we're, I'm, I'm always in the, of the opinion that we're, we're building a foundation here, right? You know, I always use the analogy, if you're going to launch a rocket to the moon, you need to build your NASA launch facility and mm. make sure you've got a strong foundation, which is ready for when things really start to move in the company. Because if you haven't built that foundation and consolidated that foundation, then it's going to be difficult to launch yeah. to, the, to the next level that we're, we're going to go to. And so what I'm working on now is that. And obviously when I'm in, in Canada, I'm gonna be working on making those relationships and connections um, and bringing that interest in to consolidate. Well, well the reason I say that, because you've kind of got this, um, you know, the, the US um, did their IRA, you've kind of got, even the Canadians got the kind of critical minerals funding in place, it seems to be. The North Americans are looking to friendly nations to uh, secure their their future critical mineral list, and obviously rare earths is a big part of that. Automotive sector there is, is is vast. You're talking NDPR amongst other things. It, it's the place to be. Australia is looked upon favourably by North America, so it seems we be sensible to go and have conversations there. We've seen OEMs fund, we could move upstream and fund um, mining companies. It's something they've never have dreamt of from like two three years ago. So yeah. it's it's it, it's a it's a big deal. So. Uh, Good luck with that. Let's know how you get on. Um, but back to today, you've got a bit of money. Let's be clear about how you're allocating that money in 2023 and why we should care. Sure. So, so we raised three and a half million. We've got 4.1 million in the bank right now. Yeah. So we've got a very strong cash position for a company our size. Our exploration's cheap. We're focusing most of that uh, money on the rare earth element development of the moment. So it's about 75% rare earth, 25% copper. We're continuing the copper because we've got huge copper potential in our projects as well. Well, okay. this project is not available, it's about 75% focus on the rare earths. And a key part of that right now is the metallurgy and mineralogy. Why, why, why do you say that? Because how much drilling have you done? How much do you know? So we've done, uh, so in the last couple of years, we've done about 20,000 meters of drilling. Okay, so, okay you've got a chunk, chunk of data to, yeah. to, to look after that. And the metallurgy, if you've got the team, you outsource that. Either, we've got the world's best rare earth element metallurgy being team. Being who? Being Gavin Beer. Uh, so he's, he's Perth based. He's arguably one of the world's best commercial rare earth element process mm -hmm. uh, metallurgists. He's mm -hmm. worked on in, any major project you can conceive of or think about. He's right. worked on it in some capacity. And so he's worked with us. I believe we're the only clay hosted rare earth company that he's agreed to work with yeah. at this point. And we've also got Bob Ring from Ansto. So Ansto is the world's best rare earth element processing yeah. test work facility. They've got pilot plants for all of the big projects yeah. and uh, they're doing our metallurgy. So Gavin's advising us from a commercial perspective through his experience working with companies around yeah. the world yeah. and Bob Ring and Ansto are advising us from the academic side and from the processing side with their lab. They've got the labs doing the test work. So we're collaborating in that in that sense and collectively that arguably the world's you know, best team you could put together. So okay. we are confident that we're going to make you know significant advancements on the metallurgical flow sheet. We've had good initial um, leaching results from the metallurgy we did with Ansto and released in December. Mm. Uh, it's a fantastic first step. We're looking to improve that and reduce the, the cost of the uh, reagents to go into that and just right. make that flow sheet even more commercial. And that's what we're working on at the moment. Okay, okay. So, and we've we kind of kept it fairly simple today because I think it's not many people understand the, 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 com the, the commodities we're talking about. But with the people who do in the conversations that you, you have, obviously Clay's hasn't had a good 
name for itself, ex-China, you know, up until maybe a couple of years ago, there's another Aussie company with a project in Southern Africa. Won't name names, this is your interview, not theirs. Uh, <laughs> he, he kind of, I think, got out there and, and, and told the story and they're starting to kind of, you know, get some real traction there. There's, um, there's a couple of companies in North America who put clays. Again, they've had a tough, tough five years or so, but I think people are starting to understand that perhaps Perhaps clays can deliver into into the space. Perhaps yeah. the nut, so the technical nut has been cracked, uh, so to speak. So you, again, do you find your institutional or potential institutional share um, or potential shareholders? Do they understand enough about the challenges that you face, or are they still sort of sitting back and going, "Do you know what? We'll just wait a little bit longer. One for the network, and two to sort of see how these guys insert themselves into this ecosystem and which path they choose to go down." I, th I think everyone understands it, right? When right. you asked it, was it easy to raise capital? Well, I mean, I'm not going to say it was easy, but it wasn't that difficult because okay. the fundamentals of our project stand up, you know, against all the other projects that are available on ASX at the moment. Yeah. You know, the, the grade is very high. We've got mineralization from the surface. So the first meter you drill into is, is all. Uh, the magnet rare earth content's high, the heavy rare earth content's high. Mm. And so when you put those things together, the project fundamentals are fantastic and you can't find a like project on the market at the moment. And that's why it was easy to attract excitement and attention. And really now it's just about making sure we can develop a commercial flow sheet, mm. which means we can produce a product for less than it costs to, to, to process it. And not all clay-hosted projects around the world and around Australia are the same. We know the Chinese ones are different and no one's really found anything exactly like a Chinese deposit, even though a lot of the data is kind of hidden about mm. Chinese deposits. We have, mm. we have a basic uh, understanding of, of those deposits, but the projects in West Australia aren't the same as the projects in South Australia. So we're seeing a competitive advantage definitely in the projects that we're seeing in our, our project in South Australia compared to projects that we're seeing. But isn't that also, okay, you said you're positioning that, that's therein lies the opportunity because it's different, but isn't that also the problem because there's not a kind of standardization of the technology to kind of crack this. So people then look to your team and go, right, who on the team has done this before? Who knows what we're talking about? Or is it all kind of bought in knowledge? As you've described for the, the metallurgy, so that, that, that's like some of the yeah. issues you're going to come against. So, well, hence why we have the world's best rare earth element processing team working with us right now, being Anstow and, and Gavin Beer. Right. Okay. So, you know, it, we, we're confident that we're going to have, you know, we know all the tools and all the things to apply mm -hmm. to develop the best flow sheet. Um, but we also already have the reason I mentioned the project fundamentals. We're ahead of so many others because of those fundamentals already. So, the metallurgical challenges that all of these projects face, all these deposits face a little bit less significant for us yeah. because our other financial <clears throat> fundamentals are higher. The basket so, value is so higher. So 20,000 meters drilled. Are you saying we're, we're, we're done now? It's all kind of homogenous. It's all, it's, we, we know what we've got there. Was there more work to do on the drilling side as well? Sorry, not, not all the drilling was for rare earths. Okay, and okay. The rare so how much rare earths were in part by accident whilst looking for copper. Right, that's what, that's what, that's what I'm kind of trying to... Trying so we've to, done about... Three or four thousand meters. Right, so know, it's not enough, right? Because the question, I, what I, what I, absolutely, yeah. what, what I don't want people to walk away thinking is, oh, it's quite easy to do rare earth. We've just done three or four thousand meters of drilling. We did some bad work <laughs> and uh, we're done, right? Discoveries aren't not. easy to make, right? And resources aren't always easy to build. You know, these are these yeah. are things that you need skilled technical people that are extremely committed and devoted to do, and that's what we're focused on at the moment. So we need to do more drilling yeah. to develop a jork resource, and that's the right. next phase after we crack after we. Next advancement in the metallurgy, yeah. then following that will commence our Jork resource drill out. Okay, so a, a couple of questions um, for you before we kind of wrap it up. So what what do you think investors have got to look forward to with regards to what you're doing, right? So you've kind of come into Rarus accidentally, 
but you've explained that you've kind of got a team on board who you know understand how to move this thing forward, not just on the network, but in terms of building companies, um, and in terms of you know the the you know rare earth ecosystem as it were. But you've got so much money available to you today. You're going to have to raise some money, presumably before the end of the year, to kind of get some of these things over the line, aren't you? Well, we might have to, but really, we like the money we raised was to ensure that we could deliver a Jork resource, including the metallurgy required, uh, without having to raise capital again. Okay. And we're still in that position now, so we're confident that we could deliver a Jork resource under the current funding. Now, given as as the year goes on, where we find ourselves in placement of the market and market sentiment and the state of our projects. You know, there may, may be a decision to raise capital again prior to the definition of a joint resource, but mm. we'll work that out as, as we get down the line. Um, and but I it's think- not just a stake in the sand, because you know you haven't done much drilling on the rare earth bits. So it's going to be of a certain size, and you're going to have to upgrade that, upsize that, and kind of you know, continue to move that thing along that curve, as it were. So, you deliver a joke, great. More drilling. I mean, what, what else do you, what else, what else can you do with the capital available to you? Yeah, I think what people should be really excited about is the fact that we haven't been focused on rare earths for a long time. And the first drilling program that we focused on rare earths, we made the discovery at Morgan's Creek and the fundamentals of that project. Define discovery for me? Well, I mean, I say discovery, we just, we've discovered high-grade clay at rare earths from surface, thick mineralization over a long strike. So, you know, we are, that, that, that to us, is ne- that's never been done before in this province, mm-hmm. uh, never been done before in this region. So it's a first. And I think the exciting thing is that everything, even the limited drilling is actually a blue sky opportunity as opposed to a negative, it's positive because it means that if we start to apply what we've learned in that discovering those rare earths across the broader portfolio, there's a huge opportunity for new discoveries because that same geology extends over 34 kilometers of strike. We've never looked there elsewhere for rare earths before. So we're, we're going to work on the metallurgy. We're confident we're going to be able to deliver advancements on the metallurgy. We're going to progress hopefully toward defining a jork resource and also look to make new greenfields discoveries across the broader project. Okay, but, but if I compare that to some of the rarest companies that kind of come through here, you, you're earlier stage than most, aren't you? So you've got a, you've got a ways to go. There's more advanced companies than you out there. So, you know, why why should people kind of look at you versus what they what they're doing? Because it's it's a complicated yeah. space, right? It is complicated, and a lot of people are valuing a large resource with no metallurgy over a, a pre-resource discovery with great basket fundamentals and good metallurgy or advanced metallurgy. And so we, we just need to educate people a little bit more that the, the metallurgy is key okay. and, that, and that our metallurgy so far is positive and we've got the right team to be able to deliver on advancements in that flow sheet. Okay, well, let's get up with that. Thanks for, exactly. thanks for coming over and seeing us. And I know you're going down to Fremantle um, tomorrow, but you, you've nipped over from Sydney a day early to see us and I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we love a rare story and um, there's, there's a new one it's from from a low base, so if you get it right, obviously the the upside is is tremendous. So stay in touch with us, okay? Will do. Yeah, thanks, Matthew.